welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. I want to talk to you about why the enemy is after your song. Because he is after it. Because he's a song thief. And he is after your song and there's so much scripture to back up why. It's profound. And this teaching that I'm teaching you has personally transformed me. And I want to share it with you today because I believe today, for those of you who have lost your song, it's time to get your song back. It's time for you to sing again. Now, I'm not just talking about singers. You know, it says in the scripture, sing a new song to the Lord only if you're a singer. doesn't say that. (laughs) It says, sing a new song to the Lord. It is a command for everyone who loves the Lord. And so our, one of our, the commands over our life is to worship him. It doesn't matter whether you have a great voice or not. It doesn't matter whether you're musical or not. The Lord loves your voice and he wants you to release a sound that transforms you internally and then changes the atmosphere around you. So I am here to declare today that it's time to get your song back and I believe by the end of this service that something is going to switch on the inside of you I want to start with a scripture Psalm 28 verse 7 one of my favorite scriptures it's the Lord is my strength and my shield my heart trusts in him and he helps me my heart leaps for joy and with my song I will praise him I want to start by talking about my friend Arild, Arild Masso. He's from Norway. He's an indigenous Sami man. So we call them Aboriginals here in Australia. Anybody that's indigenous is called Aboriginal, but in Norway, they're Sami indigenous. He is the most amazing guy. So what they do in Norway, the indigenous sound of Norway is called yoiking. And it's this guttural vocal sound in the throat. And when he was little, he used to yoik over the mountains. He used to love the song of his people. And he felt even before he was a Christian, he would feel close to what he now understands is the Lord whenever he yoiked. When he got born again, the first thing that the modern church said in Norway is, you can't be Sammy and be Christian. You have to get, get away with, you're not allowed to sing that song anymore. And it broke his heart. And this was a culture in Norway. In fact, it's actually a culture with a lot of Indigenous people. They're often told by us white folk, you can't sing the songs of your people. You need to do it like us white people. And there's something that really gets lost when you stop singing your authentic song. And he would go and sing and he would yoik over the mountains and he got a revelation from God. He actually had an open vision where the Lord said to him, you need to go to the Sami people and you need to tell them that they can yoik. <laughs> such a funny word, that they can yoik and they can still know me. So he started going into these little indigenous people groups and he started to share this and they would weep and they would say, do you mean I can be Sami and still be, be a Christian? And he would say, yes, you can. Well, you'd think that would be amazing, right? And it certainly was for the Sami people. But the white church shut every door to him. He stopped getting asked to minister in all the churches because he was releasing a sound in the people that was uh, helping them to step into their identity in a way that had not happened with the Sami people when they became 
Christians. Well, all this stuff started to happen. Signs and wonders were happening amongst the Sami people, people being raised from the dead, people with sicknesses and illnesses immediately healed. The white church closed their door to him and the Lord said, just go to the Sami people. So he started doing this. He started getting invitations to other nations and he went to Russia and the newspapers were like, we're going to check this guy out. We reckon it's not true. And they had undercover reporters coming to his meetings about 15 years ago. And he didn't know who they were. This reporter came up for prayer just to see what would happen, got completely slain in the spirit, was on the ground. And then you know what ended up happening? The Russian government was so enamoured by what was the Lord was doing in these meetings that they started sending sick people from hospitals in ambulances to the meetings so that they would be healed. Isn't that amazing? We've had the privilege of knowing Ariel and him speaking into our lives, but there is an example of the power of a song. Someone tried to shut down his song. Imagine what would have happened. You know, he loves Jesus. He has a gift to preach. He could have gone into white church and he could have done an amazing job. God would have still been there because his presence was there. But there's something about releasing the authentic expression of worship that is just yours, that does something not just for you, but for your people, for your family, for your church, even for your city and your nation. And that's what Sounds of the Nations is all about. That's what I'm passionate about, is finding authentic expressions of worship. Not trying to copy what you see has worked. Not trying to sing like the person standing next to you. What works for you? What what can you release that brings the sound of heaven in your life? Now, why is the enemy so after this? I'm going to show you through scripture and it's so powerful. He's trying to take away your song with lots of things. He's trying to take it away through sickness, through illness. He's trying to rob you of your destiny. And the first thing that you don't want to do when time's tough is sing out, isn't it? You're just like, hmm, can I just sit here and just let it wash all over me? (laughs) Why does this happen? Why is the devil such a song thief? Well, let me read you a couple of scriptures that have totally messed my head up let's go to psalm 149 and this is a really interesting psalm you've probably heard for you guys that are in the worship team here you've probably heard the term praise the lord is the hebrew word halal which means it basically means to totally freak out for god it's like praise the lord halal means just like go wild go crazy so that's the tone of this scripture let's read from psalm uh, verse 1 Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assemblies of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Then all of a sudden we get to verse 7. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people. What? What just happened? It's like a completely different psalm. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute them on the written judgment. This honour has all the saints. Praise the Lord. I'm like, yeah, hang on. Do I really want to say? <laughs> it just it's like it's got two tones in it, this psalm. There's one of rejoicing and delight. 
And then there's another side. What is God trying to show us? He is trying to show us in the psalm the two sides to the power of your song. The first one is the power of rejoicing and delight. But the second one is, and get this, this is what I love, that your song has the power to transform cities and overtake armies. Wow, your song has the power, just like it says in verse 8, to bind kings with chains. Your song has the power to change governmental decisions. Wow, that is powerful. You know why? Because it's showing us that our song isn't just about us. It's not just about you. You singing out and me singing out isn't just about us feeling good and changing things about us. It's about changing our city. That is powerful. You know, it's actually showing us that the song is connected to the city. Wow. Your joy and delight is not just about you. Your joy and your delight affects governments. It affects the powers of the earth. It's a double-edged sword in your mouth. Amen. I love that. Here's another example of a song in the Bible that can be found to tran- that it talks about transformation. It's the story in Psalm 137 we read about the Israelites being taken from their homeland in a war. And it's uh, Psalm 130, there you go, Psalm 137 verse 1. It starts with, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Verse 2, We put away our liars, hanging them on the branches of the willow trees. For there our captors demanded a song of us. Our tormentors requested a joyful hymn. They said, Sing us one of those songs from Jerusalem. Verse 4, But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while we're in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill upon the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you, if I don't make Jerusalem my highest joy. I'll stop there. But that's really interesting because the first thing they said when their captors said, sing us some of those beautiful songs, they said, how can we sing a song our song in a foreign land. What does that mean? You know what I think they really understood that we don't often understand? Their song was connected to their city. So they couldn't understand how they could sing that song when they weren't connected to their city. And the rest of the scripture goes on and it's like they were saying, if I forget my responsibility to the city, if I forget my responsibility to my community and my nation, take away my talent, let the roof the tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. They understood the power of the song to transform a nation and they couldn't work out how they could sing that when their nation wasn't a part of the equation. That's so powerful to me that your song is connected to the city. And he will try, Satan will try to put you in captivity, just like he did with those Israelites. They said, we put our liars, we hung them on the willow tree. And doesn't the, doesn't the enemy do that? He tries to get you to hang up your song. He can't hang it up for you, but you can just go, I give up and hang up that. And maybe you have. I've done it before. I've had to lead worship before for a long time when I didn't have a song in my heart. And I didn't even realise that because you can kind of go through the motions, can't you? And everyone can think you're okay. But there's stuff going on in your heart 
that God's trying to deal with. And I am telling you, if you just release that sound, there is something that will happen to you. When I started to really get to the core of my heart, you know, like um, Pastor Andrew was saying, my background is the Christian music industry and I'm very grateful for the years that I've had. I got to do some amazing stuff. I got to tour the world with some of the bands that I grew up with, you know, that probably a lot of people under 25 have never heard of now but that's all right (laughs) but I had an amazing time it was awesome but you know there was always this part of me that felt um I wasn't a hundred percent fulfilled you know like the performing thing just wasn't my thing I would get up on stage and I would count down the songs I'd go you know sung one nine to go eight two to go you know I just would I just didn't have the the passion that I thought that I would have, but I loved to sing and I loved to worship. It took me a little while to work out what my sphere of influence was, which is the prophetic, and I love worship leading, you know. So for a long time, I just did what people told me to do, and it looked like I had a song, and it was effective because the anointing's on my life. Like, you can be doing whatever you're doing. So when I say song, I'm talking about your sphere. What is the thing that makes you sing, right? And when you're in that, sometimes you can be working in your gift, but actually not being the bullseye. Does that make sense? And that's kind of what it was like for me with the Christian music industry. I'm so grateful for those years. God, it was God that I was part of that. But I was kind of like, it's not my bullseye. And I remember this one time worship leading at a conference with a guy called Graham Cook, who you might have heard of. And it was so funny because I'd never sung in the prophetic. I'd never done anything like that before. And I'd been emailing him for weeks on end trying to find out what he wanted to do because he'd sent an email to our pastor saying... On the Friday night of this conference, I'm going to do this thing and Rome is going to be involved and it's going to be great. And I'm like, great, what does that mean? And my pastor said, oh, just send him an email and he'll let you know. So I sent him an email going, really looking forward to it. Can you just let me know? And his email back was, yeah, it's going to be awesome. See you soon. And I'm like trying to be in control here. I'm like, I need more information. Well, didn't give me a thing. So it comes to the night. And I'm really nervous because, you know, he's like amazing. And I'm like, I don't know anything. I don't know what we're supposed to do. So I lead worship, nothing, no direction. Announcements, nothing. I'm just standing up there going, I don't know what's going on here. And then they announce, they go, would you welcome Graham Cook? And he comes up on the platform, everyone claps. And I'm thinking, maybe he's changed his mind. So I go to walk off stage as, as he's walking up and he grabs my hand. And he pulls his mic like this and he goes, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is, this is a fair thing, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I've got a prophetic word to release tonight. And every now and then when I finish, I'm going to turn around and look at you at the keyboard and you're just going to sing something prophetic. And I'm just like, what the heck? I don't even do – like, this is before anyone was doing it. Like, I'm just like – and I'm standing in front of all these people and he just says this and I just go, okay. Like, trying to be – you know, so I go to the piano and I'm shaking. I'm literally shaking. I'm like, I can't just make up stuff. <laughs> you know, that's how I felt. Well, I'm telling you, God did something to me on that night because as soon as he started to speak, I, like I started playing the piano and my head is just going crazy. I'm just like, this is going to be a disaster. I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm a professional. I go and spend hours writing songs in the studio. I can't just get up here and just do this. Well... I start to play. As soon as he starts to speak, I'm starting to get full-on downloads, like whole songs. And then just when I would get a whole song, he would turn around and look at me 
and I would just sing. And it went like that for two hours, just this backing and forthing. And I'm like a little kid. The whole time I'm going, this is so awesome. I can't believe this is happening. This is going on in my head. This is how anointed I am, right? I'm just like, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> anyway, at the end of that night, I went, that felt like I just came home and put on a pair of slippers. I was home. I was singing the song that I was meant to sing. And I've never looked back. And he said to me, it was so funny because he said to me at the end, I knew you wanted to know what was going on, but I knew you'd control it. So I didn't want to tell you anything. <laughs> and it's been a big learning curve for me, you know. I've just gone, wow, when you release that authentic expression that is in your heart, it's connected. It's connected to your city. It's not just about you, you know. And, and I love that because... There were many times when I wanted to give up, you know, in that season when I was kind of going, what am I doing here? I don't know what my thing is. I know I sing and I know that it people like it, you know, but I didn't feel in the bullseye. But when you find that point and that anchor, it really does change everything. And Satan will really try to use those circumstances to put your song into captivity. But no one can really steal it. It's your choice. Here's another example of a song overturning atmospheres. And you will know this story, but I want to come, I want to bring something to attention in this scripture that is powerful. So it's in Acts verse 16, 25. It's the story when Paul and Silas are worshipping in the prison. Have a listen to this. So at verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Listen to this. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. So Paul and Silas are singing in prison and what's happening? The prisoners were listening. That's why you've got to sing. The prisoners are listening. Maybe you've come today and you're a prisoner. What do I mean by that? I mean you're a person maybe that doesn't know Jesus yet. Maybe you're someone that's had an example of Jesus or you've had him in your world in some way, but you've never felt that connection, that day-to-day relationship. And you come because you listen to the songs and you listen to the preaching. You're listening and it's doing something on the inside of you. That's the power of the song of the Lord. That is the power of a song. If you're the other person, the person that knows who Jesus is. You have to release what's on the inside of you because people are listening and it opens prison doors. It breaks chains off people. Isn't that amazing? And it doesn't matter where you are. I remember being in a taxi going from Sydney to the Blue Mountains to speak at a women's conference, right? And I was sharing a taxi with another person that was going up there who was not born again. And she was in the car with me and she was saying, so what are you here for? So I started to share. And it was just a little bit of time after this Graham Cook experience, right? So I'm like on fire. I'm just like, I'm going to do this everywhere. (laughs) And um, she goes, wow, so you sing over people. Like, do you sing prophetic? Uh, not prophetic. Do you like, are you like a clairvoyant? I think is what she said. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> a Jesus one. Um, and, I, and she just said, would you sing over me? And so in this taxi, I got to sing over her. And she started to cry. And I thought, I don't care where I am now. 
People are listening. People need to be released from freedom. Let's stop thinking about making a fool of ourselves. You know, I reckon I am the biggest klutz on earth and I make the silliest... I do stupid stuff, but I don't care anymore. I really don't care. I would rather step out, be right and make a fool of myself than never step out and be wrong, you know? And just... I mean, and never step out and be right. Sorry. I'd rather step out and be wrong than not step out and be right is what I'm trying to say. See, that's a perfect example of being a klutz right there. <laughs> I would rather that, you know, and I, I like another, uh, here's an example of being a klutz, but then 10 years later, Lord showed me something, revealed something. It was so powerful. So we'd had a conference where all this was going on. The prophetic worship was amazing. I was getting really stirred up because that's my thing, you know. And I went to get Thai food at our favourite Thai food Thai food place Ted will remember this and everyone knows our face there because we go there all the time we love this Thai food place so I'm sitting there waiting to pick up the takeaway and I'm just feeling this burning in my heart I'm talking to the Lord going that was just so amazing and just seeing you move and I want to be that kind of person God I want to be the kind of person that just steps out prophetically well as I'm sitting there I see this lady having dinner at the front door just sort of sitting where the front door is and the Lord starts talking to me about this lady and I'm like, wow, thanks for showing me this stuff. This is awesome because I want you to go over and tell her. I'm like, no, I, that's not what I meant. I meant like down the track it would be awesome if we did something together, Lord. And he's like, do you want me to use you or not? So we're having this conversation. My hands start sweating because I'm just like, everyone knows us here. What happens if I make a mistake? You know, all the stuff that you think to yourself when you step out, when God tells you to do stuff. So I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I grab the takeaway. So she's, this is the front door here, right? And I have to walk right past her. She's sitting right there. And I go, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Hi. I just went like that. I don't know what happened. I just like kind of went, hi. And then I said the most wisest thing you could ever say. She looks at me and she goes, yes. I said, so I see things, right? That's how I started the conversation. And she goes, okay. And I said, and the Lord just showed me that you've had a lot of sickness around you and your family and you've spent a lot of your life helping other people and you felt like this was the end, but God is saying this is just the beginning. He's bringing healing to your life. He's bringing healing to her family. And it was awesome. Guess what her response was? She just went, thanks. And that was it. Because she probably thought I was a nut, right? Anyway, I walk out of there, I get in the car and Ted, I go, Ted, drive right now, just drive. (laughs) And my wonderful husband, so he goes, what happened? And I told him and he goes, you're nuts. (laughs) He goes, what, what are you doing? I said, I don't know, it's blah, blah, blah. All right, so let's flash to 10 years. So for 10 years, I'm like going, what was that about? Maybe God was just using it to teach me, just wanted to see, and I do believe that. Well, 10 years later, my daughter's sick. She's got the flu. We moved to a new area in town and I take her to the doctors. Guess who the doctor was? This is like about eight months ago. I'm sitting there. I didn't say anything, but I remembered the word about her being around sick people. And I'm like, oh my goodness, God, you're awesome. Like it was just this, ama- I didn't say anything. I was just sitting there and she's talking to me. And all I could think about is this is unbelievable that 10 years on. It's like God was playing a joke on me. He wanted to see how I'd sort of handle it. 
But it was just beautiful. So anyway, I'm digressing, but all about the power of stepping into your own authenticity and, and that the prisoners are listening. That's why you have to release what you have. Everybody wants to hear from God, even people that don't know God. Everybody does. You know, it's, it's not just for us. It's not just so that we can be okay. God wants us to be okay. But what about the people around us? In fact, you know the greatest healings that have come in my life is when I've stopped thinking about my problems and I've started thinking about how I can bless other people. And so understanding that the prisoners are listening will change the whole way you release what you have on the inside of you. You know, a song can reveal what heaven is doing. It can reveal the matters of the heart. Everyone has a song. What is your heart singing today let me read you this this is by my friend Dan McCullum from his teaching notes redeeming a sound this is so powerful he says thanks to NASA's research we now know scientifically that planets and stars really do put out a sound not only do planets and stars sing but scientists are also recording the seismic activity of mountains and volcanoes and then turning that data into songs Rather than reading long streams of numeric figures, scientists are now turning that data into musical scores in a process called data sonification. Listening to the data as music is much easier than reading endless lines of numbers. By listening to the sounds that the mountains make, researchers are hoping to recognise the sound of earthquakes and volcanic eruptions before they occur. It appears that mountains will sing a warning song before the actual disaster occurs. Is that amazing? So it makes you wonder, what else are the mountains singing? Now, think of that whole thought and let's read Isaiah 49 verse 13. Have a listen to this. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. Wow. Is that amazing? Even the earth is singing a song. And there are countless scriptures that talk about when man and the earth and heaven are all singing the same thing. That's when revival happens. And that's my mandate now. I'm like, what is heaven singing? Let's let us sing it. What's happening in the region? You know, think because it's different everywhere. We think about what's happening with the sound of the land. Now, it might sound really new age, but the more you study the scripture, the more you realize the earth is singing. You know, it says that even the rocks will cry out. So everything has a song. It's amazing. What is your song? Is it reflecting what heaven wants to do? It's time to release that. It's time to release a sound of healing that affects you and affects your city. Here's another comment that I love. It's um, again by Dano, who I love. And it's um, actually, there was a a researcher, a a lecturer in the University of Jerusalem called Dr. Amnon Shiloh. I was telling you about this the other day. He's considered the most foremost authority on ancient Middle Eastern cultures. He's credited with over 1,200 entries in encyclopedias and writings on historical subjects. Now, listen to this. Dr. Shiloh explains that the Ten Commandments used to be sung, each commandment in a different key. 
Priests and medical practitioners historically would prescribe singing a specific psalm or a commandment as a remedy for certain sicknesses. I'm amazed by that because we talk about it. We talk about death and life being in the power of the tongue. We talk about, you know, Pastor Andrew was talking then about reading scriptures over yourself. There's historical evidence. There's not only historical evidence, but there's also evidence from hundreds, if not thousands, it is thousands of years ago, that these psalms were prescribed as a song. These commandments were prescribed as a song to bring healing over the people. That's how powerful a sound is. And that's why when we come to church and we gather together to worship, there's power in that. Because it's not just you releasing a sound. It's a gathering of people as one releasing a sound. I am so passionate about people getting up and singing from the core of their being. And so I just want to end by praying with you about that. Let me just do a summary for you of what we've talked about because I've tried to cram it all in. So here we go. I'll put it, put it up on the screen. There are two sides to the power of your song, rejoicing and delight, and that it has the power to transform cities. The next point is your song is not just about you. Your song is connected to your city and you must sing your song because the prisoners are listening. So you know what I'd love to do with you right now? As your friend, as your sister, I want to stand with you and let's make a stand in your life today and my life today. I do this on a regular basis. Let's unlock something today. Let the Holy Spirit release what it is. You know, I believe there's even people here and you've physically had a voice that, you've, that you love to sing when you were younger and you would said something was spoken over you that totally locked up your voice. Someone said something like you can't sing or you can't, you're not very good at this and it just stopped you and, and you're coming into church and you're hearing people sing and you're like, that's the cry of my heart but I'm not very good at it. I believe there's people here that God is going to break some chains today over that. I believe there's people here and you've had long-standing illnesses that have been hard. It's so hard to keep going and singing that song. I've had that experience myself, you know. I've had a long-standing illness in my life and, you know, I was told I couldn't have children for many years. We tried for seven years for our second child. I was told I had a 1% chance of falling pregnant with fertility treatment. And I've got two kids now, so ha-ha devil. (laughs) But when you're in those seasons, I get it. I get that you don't want to sing. I get that you don't want to release something. But I am urging you today to release a sound and a song that puts the devil where he's meant to be, which is away from you.